Hello, friends. It's that time to find your balls. My name is Jeff Stuckey. I'm riding shotgun. Not drinking bourbon this morning, unfortunately. We had to do it at 8 o'clock in the morning. and So I'm just riding shotgun. Greg's got his hands on the wheel, as always, keeping us on the road. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So uh, last time we opened up a lot of issues that I don't think you probably wrapped up good enough for our listeners, or either one of us did that. What do you that. mean I didn't do good enough? <laughs> yeah, I, I knew when did, I said that. I did good enough, maybe. Okay, our listeners weren't quite keen enough <laughs> to get everything you said last time. So uh, you brought up a few points, uh, one of them being contempt and how that uh, erodes a relationship and superiority and infinite games and um, and how all that even ties into being your authentic self. And so I think today I'd like to ask you some questions about that so we can kind of dive into what those things mean and the subtle differences between them and how they affect our relationships. Yeah, and um, by all means, because those are incredibly important constructs to be able to grasp. Those are things that I've been wrestling with for I don't know how many years. Mm -hmm. And I know the first thousand times because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer Mm -hmm. that I heard them. It's like, it's like sand slipping through your fingers. You know, it's like, Oh, Oh shit. (laughs) I missed all the sand again. (laughs) Or worse, you had it, but you didn't apply it properly. (laughs) Slung it against the wall. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah. So let's jump in. Let's, uh, let's revisit. All right. Well, here's the first one. Uh, the notion of superiority in a relationship, the idea that two people are perfectly equal seems unattainable, but the idea that you feel superior to the other person seems like very dangerous. So how do we deal with that? I mean, what's the problem and then how do we solve that? Yeah, I think that there is somewhat of an inherent slippery slope there to where it feels like, well, what if I'm right and the other person's wrong, which can occur, but then, you know, in such a situation, what difference does it make? What's been accomplished? especially when we're talking about relationships. Most of the times when we're talking about relationships, so the underlying assumption is that you come into this relationship with just as valid of perspective as I have. Different experiences, you've been shaped by different things, I've been shaped by different things, and both of us just simply see the world the way that we see the world. There may be, you know, a a modicum of right versus wrong in that, but the vast majority of the time, it's just going to be this mutual discovery and understanding of each other's view of the world. And then the beauty of that in relationship, right, is then we together, once I've given you understanding, I don't want to invalidate your perspective. I just want to understand your perspective. And for some reason, people struggle with that. And there was a time where I did too that I thought if I gave ear to something that I was agreeing with it. Oh, just listening to it was agreeing? Right. So there's a a little bit of a fallacy there that I think um, most people, it's like, oh, ho, ho, shit. If I listen to this, then somehow implicitly or explicitly I'm saying that I agree with you. And that can go back to that finite game, right? One winner, one loser, game over. That sense that, no, 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 I've got to shut you down and I've got to make the right point. And so what I'm simply doing is saying that, you have the right 
to think and feel the way that you feel, and I simply want to understand it. Then when I give you that validation, you give me that validation, then we're out of a defensive place. He really wanted to understand why I think and feel that way. So because we've validated, now we can do the next best thing Mm because we're not in that power struggle of who's right, who's wrong. That's stupid. Why the fuck do you think that? Mm -hmm. None of those sorts of things. It's just simply from the perspective of, I just want to understand the way that you feel. Now, where contempt occurs, there's an always never component, right? So when I have contempt, I've put myself in a position of superiority over you, whether it's intellectual superiority, moral superiority, whatever it is, I'm just fucking better than you. I'm always right. You never are. Oh, so it's not just, it's not just I'm right, but you're wrong. And then, and then contempt kind of focuses on that. Absolutely. And then the dynamic of the relationship is, let me tell you how I'm right and let me punctuate how wrong you are. When there's contempt in a relationship, people who come from a posture of contempt, they fight wars of attrition. What I mean by that is they won't shut the fuck (laughs) up until you quote unquote agree. Now you're not agreeing, right? You're just giving up because I'm so damn tired of just being battered by your perspective. So it's almost like a turtle just retreating into its shell, but the person from contempt, they're so self-deluded that they don't care anyway because they're like, yeah, you should retreat because I did win. Does that kind of delineate that a little more clearly? Yeah, I mean, it even makes it more clear that once contempt enters in, you got problems to work out. <laughs> well, and and again, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is. Yeah, if it's a marital relationship, a parent who has a contempt towards a child, if I have contempt for my neighbor, it doesn't matter. It, the only question is when is the relationship going to end? Yeah, yeah, because oh, it's going to happen. It's going to retreat. Yeah. Right. Well, the subtle thing in the superiority that I think I heard was that if you can validate the other person's stance, then you might even be more apt to say, well, it doesn't matter that a rightness happens, but your your opinion was very valid. And and you might come to the point a point to say, I don't have to have my way. I don't have to force this all the way to say right and wrong. It's like, you know what, you're more important to me than beating this point to death. Is, is that a part of that? Absolutely. Can I kind of unpack the notion of validation a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so imagine that one of my kids has drawn a picture, right? And they come to me and they say, hey, daddy, look at my picture. And I say, well, that picture sucks. <laughs> you didn't do very good. Is that validating or invalidating? That seems invalidating. Okay, it is invalidating. Come to me, they bring that picture, and I say, that is great. That is so good. Validating or invalidating? Wow. It seems like (laughs) this is a trap. It seems like validating, but it might also seem like not helpful. It's purely invalidating because what I have done in both of those instances is imposed my opinion on my child's drawing. So those are equally destructive. Now, we think, we think that validation is blowing sunshine up people's ass yeah. and invalidating them is telling them they're wrong. Validation from a clinical psychological perspective 
is when I say, tell me about your picture. What do you like about your picture? Is there anything that you wanted to do? So now I'm validating their perspective by being curious in their perspective. But in the first two examples, right, all I'm doing is imposing my opinion about that drawing on top of theirs. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if I'm telling them that they did a good job or if I'm telling them that they did a bad job. What if I say, that is fucking fantastic, and my son, who was going to be the next Van Gogh, never picks up a pen again to draw anything because he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to do that anymore. I'll go pick my nose. (laughs) That's good enough there. Yeah. Right. So this, this notion, and I, I think it's, import, it's an important concept because it's mostly a perverted understanding of what validation from a psychological perspective is. Validation from the psychological perspective goes back to that saying, you have a right to think and feel the way that you do, and I simply want to understand it. Contempt. Contempt uh-huh. wants to say, right? Contempt in our earlier example is like, I am the superior in the relationship, so I do decide if that picture is good or bad. And people who, people who have a contempt orientation to reality have no fucking clue what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> right, right. They think everything <laughs> that I just said was the biggest bunch of bullshit. Like, well, what the hell? What does my five-year-old know about whether their picture's good or not? The answer is nothing. And that's why I have to explore it with them. Mm-hmm. And by simply wanting to understand your picture, if you will, is validation. I'm not agreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just simply acknowledging you have the right to feel that yeah. way. Yeah. Wow, that, that's awesome. That seems like a lot of work <laughs> to make a, a relationship better. No, you know, what we as men do is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me. Because we go to our wives essentially as, or our partners, as, Mommy, do you like my picture? Mm-hmm. And if they like it, then we're satisfied with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was a good husband today. Mm-hmm. If they don't like it, then we're invalidated. I suck as a partner. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it just is it's too much work for me and it's too much work for my partner oh, because yeah. I'm go I don't even have an opinion about what I'm offering her. Mm-hmm. It's simply to get her validation. So whenever I invert that, right, and then it's like this is what I want, this metaphorical drawing is what I want to give my partner because I love them. I drew you a picture. Now, you can't invalidate it, tell me it's good or bad, because I've already done that. I'm bringing my love to you. Yeah. So, no, the way that we men typically do it, <laughs> mommy, did I do a good job? Yeah, yeah. Can I grab your butt now? Like that, <laughs> that's way, way harder. Right, right. This reminds me a lot of the Valentine's Day episode where, we, you know, we give our wife a Valentine's Day gift and then expect them to, to let us know if that was right or not. Right. It's like, no. We and, what, and, and what that really does is, is it just in the subconscious of the relationship, it it just creates so much havoc, right? Oh, yeah. And for the most part, she doesn't want that responsibility. She doesn't want the responsibility of telling you if you've been good or not. Mm -hmm. She wants a partner. Yeah. 
And so when you come to her in love, whatever form it is, that you don't lose yourself in the interaction. Yeah. That you don't just, that you know, that if we're having a conversation that we, we don't, because what we'll often do, we'll just give in quickly. Mm-hmm. And her frustration comes from the fact that we won't just hang in there with her. Subconsciously, she's thinking, man, have a fucking opinion. Like, come on. Don't, don't, don't like start yelling at me or calling me names. Like, you know, don't be a freaking five-year-old in that direction. But also don't just give up. Mm-hmm. Like form your own opinion. Like have this conversation with me. Don't try to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Participate. Be my partner. And that's when relationships really come to life. Yeah. And to draw back on things we talked about before, that would involve a lot of uh, vulnerability where you're going to show, here's how much I love you and how I want to express that, and some assertiveness to push that forward. Yeah. And vulnerability looks, you know, we, I think a lot of times when we talk about vulnerability, we're, you know, it's just like, telling some hurt from our childhood yeah. and crying, right? Like, I'm a little more. And that's, I mean, that's a component of it. But oftentimes vulnerability is doing the hard thing. For me, on the personality continuum of agreeability, right? You know this, I'm a zero <laughs> on agreeability. I'll fucking argue with anything. Like, well, that's about you. So, so that's just very natural for me. And I know in my relationship, what's very difficult for me is to suspend that and give the encouragement and the support that she needs. Mm. I want to give her that, right? But Mm. the vulnerability for me is like, okay, don't analyze it to death. Don't just give her the support that she needs. And I think we hit on this in one of our other episodes was, you know, vulnerability for you, because you're high on agreeability, Mm -hmm. is when you tell me I'm being an asshole, because that's the hard thing to do, right? Yeah. You're yeah. not just like, it's like, and the value for that for me is like, I know that about you, right? Okay, Greg fucking hates this shit. <laughs> and Greg would never call me an asshole. He would say it in some long ass fucking metaphorical <laughs> unicorns and magic beans and um, which I love the stories because I know I know it's in there. But yeah. that's the, so so it's important that we really even kind of reconceptualize this notion of vulnerability because mm-hmm. oftentimes in our important relationships, vulnerability is doing the hard, uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. And because it's hard, uncomfortable, unnatural, those kinds of things, we feel vulnerable. But we have this kind of myopic understanding of what vulnerability is, that we have to be crying and like that sort of thing. And that's not really what what vulnerability is. And the other thing it is, okay, there's only one thing and one thing only that can cause a person to do vulnerability. That's courage. It's the only thing. If I'm doing what comes natural for me, there's, there's no element of courage in that. That's, a, oh, that's yeah. an aspect of my life that I'm already confident in. Yeah, yeah. There's only one thing that would cause me to do vulnerability in a relationship, and that is courage. This makes me fearful. How's my partner going to respond to this? How am I going to – it's uncomfortable for me. Am yeah, I going to yeah. do this well? Am I going to fuck this up? You know, all of those kinds of things. So the only thing that can persuade a person to do vulnerability is courage. 
And I don't know that we often make those connections. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's like with anything else, in order to move out of something that we find comfortable, in order to dig into this courage, we either have to be so discontent with where we are or so much drawn towards where we want to be. Right. So in this situation, if you want the relationship to go well, then you have to dig into this courage. Right. And the, and the motivator behind courage is love. Mm-hmm. I love you enough to take the risk to do the really hard thing. Okay, so I'm in a relationship. I really love the other person. So I want to make sure I don't fall prey to these problems of contempt, superiority, finite game, um, trying to protect my uh, self. So give me some steps, Jeff. I know it's not that easy, but... <laughs> well, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit how self-deluded you are by thinking that you love the other person, right? Okay. Because <laughs> that's a con. No, you don't. <laughs> what, what, you, what you have for them... Um, is a hedonic dependence on them making you feel good, right? Well, that's a good definition of love. Can we just move past that? Well, Why are you exposing this? If that fucking thing worked, I would stick with it, man. But it just doesn't work. Um, and we, we've, we, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Valentine's Day and why Valentine's Day is bullshit. We have to break free of this notion that love makes me feel good. But it's so much in the ethos of this culture, whether it's holidays like Valentine's Day or, you know, romantic or perceptions of romance, all of those kinds of things, that love is more than that. Love is something that compels me to move from my place of comfort to a place of discomfort or vulnerability. That sucks. I mean, that's not cool. Yeah, I'd rather just eat chocolate and... (laughs) drink champagne and ignore all that bullshit. Um, But to have a a relationship that transcends those kind of superficial emotional impulses Mm -hmm. to a place where there is true connection, true intimacy, trust, that the kind of relationship that would make putting up with another person all day, every day worth it, Mm -hmm. we have to move to that level of understanding. Yeah, I believe that your definition there of love is pretty widespread. <laughs> but uh, you know mine is more like uh, a decision where I say to my wife, I want to do everything in my power for you to flourish. I want her to flourish. I want her to be what she was designed to be. I don't know. That takes a lot of commitment. You know, well, And ultimately, you have to be realistic that it's beyond your control. Yes, yes. I mean, just because you want that, you know, just because I water a plant, it may still die, yeah, right? Yeah. And that sucks because I love that plant and I was really trying. So you have to remember that you're in a relationship with an organism and the definition of an organism is something that does not respond in a predictable pattern. And that's oftentimes we get confused because there's two kinds of growth, right? There's what we call mechanical growth and organic growth. And mechanical growth you have control of, like building a wall, right? Yeah. You have control of that. Like you mix the mortar, you build the bricks, you look at my fucking awesome wall. <laughs> so that's mechanical growth, and that's, that's one-dimensional. But organic growth is much the way of caring for a plant, right? Mm-hmm. The plant does most of it. And so that's why it's so important that 
we kind of expand our understanding and realize that, again, she can't be the barometer of success in our relationship. Right. And I can do these things. Uh, there's a brilliant researcher uh, by the name of John Gottman. He's really all you need to know about marriage. <laughs> he calls it love mapping. I know what my spouse needs, my partner needs as much and maybe even better than they do. Mm-hmm. But even in that, right, I still have to have a realistic expectation that even though I'm, I'm operating from a valid love map, if you will, it can't be results-oriented. For guys, because we are results-oriented, it's <laughs> yeah. like, well, hell, if she's not going to make her happy, why the fuck would I do it? You know, because <laughs> yeah. you love her. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing it out of a love for her. You're not doing it for the gratification. Now, again, mm. hope you get it, right? <laughs> I hope you get the you're my hero response yeah. and yeah. some toe-curling sex and all that sort of thing, but it's not, that's not what I'm in it for. Right. I'm in yeah. it simply because I love you. Okay, well, once again, you've taken us down other roads. <laughs> that we, it's totally the same road. I, right, right. What okay. road did it, where do, okay, get us back to the main road. Okay, well, let's say we could agree on a lot of those definitions. Let's get us back to the idea that we found ourselves in a relationship where things like superiority and contempt and, and the finite game has, has caused some erosion. So what, what's the steps that a guy can do? Men in particular, just through our socialization, right? And we go back to that first psychological conflict that our only orientation to reality is success, power, achievement per the American Psychological Association. So we're almost bred for competition, whatever it is, yeah. right? And so for us, our subconscious default is the finite game. Win. Oh, right, right. Right? Yeah. And win. And, and so for us, it's, it, we can, win, we can result, resort to winning one of two ways. We can either declare ourselves the winner, right? Like, yeah, I'm right and you're wrong, man. Or we can declare ourselves the loser, I failed again, I lose. Uh-huh. So it, it's not a small shift to adopt this orientation of my relationship with my partner is an infinite game. Maximize the number of winners and keep gameplay going. And those are the rules of, of relationships, right? So we have, we have to make that shift first. When we realize that, okay, it's not a competition. I'm not competing with my spouse over what's the right way or wrong way to fold a towel. We want to resolve this in a way to where we maximize the number of winners. It's not about how the towels ultimately get folded, (laughs) but it's that we're connected and we get to that place together. And as men, that's such a hard shift. It is, in my experience uh, doing marriage therapy, one of the first things that I have to do is teaching men not to take emotional responsibility for their wife. Let her feel what she's feeling. Don't fucking hand her a Kleenex. Get your fucking hand <laughs> off her thigh. She's a big girl. She can handle what she's feeling right now. Be curious about that. Don't take don't bl- oh, don't blame man. yourself. It's my fault that she's feeling this way. Just be there in that emotional experience with her. And that's what she really wants. But again, success, power, and achievement, right? We got to be fucking achieving something. And right now, goddamn, got to figure this is, (laughs) I don't know what this is, but this isn't good. So I need to fix this somehow. Right. 
And that'll oftentimes activate our fight or flight response, which is, yeah, you're always crying no matter how hard I try, blah, blah, whatever. Uh, or my flight response, I declare myself the loser and I'm sorry. You're right. I'll try harder. Mm -hmm. And that might even feel good for her for a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. But again, what she wants, what she wants most of all, what our partners want most of all is somebody in it with us. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we can stay out of that resistance of shifting back over into the finite, letting her feel what she feels, and just be present. So that would give her the freedom to feel whatever she wants, express it however she wants, and know that you're there and, and you're never going to go away. So it's not like she's got to worry about, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this way. Exactly. I'll borrow from your ideology, you know, the way that uh, the Bible describes the experience of marriage is naked and unashamed. And I think that's more of a psychological inference than Adam and Eve walking around naked. But, I mean, that's cool, too. But it's just that experience of I can be totally honest with you mm -hmm. about my deepest thoughts and my deepest feelings. And your inclination is not going to be to fix it, success, power, achievement. And this is where, again, so remember our two other conflicts, right? So we're we're... <laughs> We're never taught to deal with vulnerable emotions, sadness, anxiety, insecurity, all of those kinds of things. Suck that shit up, fucking move on, right? Mm -hmm. So we, by definition, we start to get uncomfortable, and we don't have a place to practice that. Right. Because the place to practice those kinds of things in a non-reactive sort of way are platonic relationships, are deep friendships. Yeah. But for men, we do not get to, we don't touch, <laughs> right? Right. And we don't emotionally support each other in just being available. So this, this sounds like, you know, simple does not mean easy. Right. And this shit ain't easy, man. <laughs> right, right. Because we, unfortunately, largely due to our socialization as men, we have a lot of work to do to be able to make that shift to the infinite game and just be present in whatever experience she's having. Yeah, okay. That at least gives us some, something to do to try, try and move towards the infinite game. So if we, if we find ourselves in a situation where we're feeling um, superior and we just need to, and we need for our wife to recognize that we're right, <laughs> like how do we back off of that? How do we... I, th I think you mentioned the idea is, is to recognize that it's about validating another person's thoughts and opinions, not telling them what's right. I mean, Making what that shift, but but I'll, I'll camp for just a minute if I can on this idea of the illusion of self, because I don't know you, I don't know how much of a brain fuck that was for you, but I know for <laughs> several people that I've talked to, they're like, "Thought I got it, didn't get it." Right, right. right. So you have an identity that. By virtue of the fact that you're breathing right now and listening to this podcast has kept you alive, right? You're born to people that you don't fucking know. And they put a name on you, and then you start reacting to that name. Like the example that we used, I go to school, they say Jeff Stuckey, and I raise my hand and I say... Yeah, I'm fucking Jeff Stuckey. Didn't have a choice, but I'm <laughs> Jeff Stuckey. And, and 
oh, good, so that gets me a pellet, right? I don't get a behavioral, whatever that is. And this is what's so hard for people to understand. Then I'm just reacting to that. Oh, so now I've got a billion experiences, right, that have got me to this moment in time and kept me alive. Now, I call that Jeff Stuckey. Fucking Jeff Stuckey. I mean, I'm Jeff Stuckey. I know who I am. I don't know what the hell this dude's talking about, telling me illusion of self kind of bullshit. Sounds like some kind of Eastern mysticism woo-woo shit, if you ask me. No, it's just simply the truth. So how does that affect my relationship, right? I'm holding on to this. Yeah, you got to protect that. I've got to protect that. And so if I'm having a conversation with my partner, friend, whatever it is, and I've not realized that, that I'm just this accumulation of reaction to experiences. Now, some of that I want to keep, right? I mean, we talked at some point, I've, I've told my story about how I became a therapist and it was a weird road and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Well, I'm still going to keep that, right? That yeah. part of myself of being a therapist, I, I'm going to hold on to that. It's working out for me, so I'm going to keep that. Yeah. But there's other aspects of this self that I've accumulated that don't serve me well. And if I don't come to that realization, there's parts of me that aren't serving me well anymore. And the, the where the place that it's not is in my relationship because I'm fighting to maintain Jeff Stuckey. Right. And I'm not creating this relationship with my partner. So when my partner comes to me and says, you fold the towels wrong and I'm still like, you know, Jeff Stuckey sees the shit, man. Like it's <laughs> this, this is Jeff Stuckey, the person. So now she comes and says, Jeff Stuckey doesn't know how to fold towels. And I'm like, it's on now finite game. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. You don't fucking know how to fold towels. Plus I'm too important to even be thinking about folding towels because yeah. I'm doing things that are important that matter. And now, right. Rather than connecting with my partner. Mm-hmm. All right. How do we want to fold towels? Yeah. I'm protecting Jeff Stuckey. Mm-hmm. And that's where most people stay. Yeah is they have that idea that they're a person and not just this accumulation of experiences. And so in their relationships, they're now fighting to preserve this identity rather than connecting in a deep, meaningful way. Yeah. So it's not about the right way to fold a towel. It's about how can we open up and entertain the idea that between the two of us, here's how we fold towels in this family. Right. It's and it's not about thing. the fucking towel at no, all. No. Right? <laughs> right, right. It's about the relationship, it's, the connection. It's exactly that. It's exactly <laughs> when she comes to that, right? Mm. So there's an invitation to play a yeah. finite or an infinite game. Yeah, yeah. And so I get to make a choice. Do I want to maximize the number of winners and make sure that we have a lasting, meaningful relationship? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to win? Right. And what do we want to do as guys? Fucking win. <laughs> Every time, man. We always do it. Yeah. And we win, again, in one of two ways. We may 
invalidate her. Well, that's stupid. I don't know who taught oh, you. Yeah. Or we declare ourselves the loser. You're right. I'm sorry, yeah. honey. I don't want to do that. And again, she may be happy for a nanosecond yeah. that the towels get folded the way that she wants them folded. Yeah. But she doesn't have a partner. Right. Neither one of those results ends in a better relationship, ends in where you built that third entity of here's how we do things together. One winner, one loser, zero sum. Even when I give in. Yeah. And that's what that's one of the things. So man-made good guys who drink and cuss a little, good guys have a tendency to give in. They do it for the right reasons because they deeply love their partner. And they feel like, well, that's just the loving thing to do. But the loving thing to do is stay in that with her. Mm-hmm. Okay, babe. I don't. I don't even. I've never had a class on towel folding. So <laughs> if yeah. that's something like we, yeah. whatever that is, but hanging in there emotionally with her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I, I appreciate you kind of wrapping this up so we know what to do, how we're going to see these things play out in our relationships and then the next step to take. So anything else we need to talk about or? I just have uh, one question. All right. Why is porn so popular? Okay. All right. All right. Why don't we wait till next time to talk about that? All right. We'll talk about that next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you.